You know, we have the best of both worlds. We're, we're Christians in here, and we're in a great country. And so I wanted to just kind of talk with you about that today. As you get your Bibles out, turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Got a lot of things we want to do today. Joshua chapter 24, it says this. It's a big, a long verse, a lot in it. It says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. That's an amazing statement that he would write. It seems evil to serve the Lord. That means they've gone so far, they, they don't even see what's right in front of them. It says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood and the gods of the Amor or the gods of the Amorite in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I would say that's probably one of the key plaques that people put in their house. How many of you have, a, have something in your house that writes this? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody in here? A lot of people in here. Something we need to see. I'll never forget my, one of my head deacons at my last church. I went to his house. He had just bought a house. Just to show you about his house, he bought it from the U.S. Marshals. It was a drug seizure. The people had built it, and it was a really nice home because it was bought by drugs. They had a lot of money. But when you walked up to the house, in stone, edged out, was this verse. I mean, it was, a, it was professionally done. It was on a big cement aspect of the building. And when you walked up, there it was. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and serve drugs, I guess they should put. I couldn't believe they put that up there. He goes, isn't that funny that they did that? They had dogs go through, police dogs go through and found many drugs in the walls. And they had to take all that out and had to tear a lot of the walls out because of it. But here we, here we live in a country that sometimes we can label ourselves, but those labels might not mean anything. So I want to I look at this, and I want to look at Joshua chapter 27, um, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Aren't you thankful that God gives you the opportunity to serve Him? And as I was looking at this, there are, there's a couple things in this verse. There are two big words I want to look at today. The two big words that have big meanings. And how many of you have ever looked up a word and go, I don't know how I would define that. I don't know how I would define that word. You know, if, if you were to define the word then, that'd be hard to define, wouldn't it? Well, I'm going to give you two words that one of them is found in here. And the first one is my. The word my. The Bible says this, and Joshua stands up and he says, but as for me and my house, I, I can tell you that because of me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What's the word my mean to you? I'll give you that definition in just a second. But the word my to me means possession, amen? I was at the store yesterday, and I came out and a guy was trying to get in my truck. I was like, what are you doing? You know the first thing I said? I said, hey, sir, that's truck. You ever said that before? You know why? Because that's my truck. And I thought my truck is just basic. No one want to take anything out of my truck. I leave it unlocked so they don't damage it when they try to get into it. Amen. It's 2006. It's got 167,000 miles on it. I don't want people to break the window. If they want to get in, they can get in. And by the way, young people, my window's cranked down and you might not understand. I have a kids get in my car and go, how do you put the window down? You just do this. I said, hey, that is my truck. And you know how we jump to conclusions real quick? That's my possession. It might not be much, but I own it, and I don't owe any money on it. 
And I started getting kind of upset at the guy, and he goes, well, this looks just like my truck. And I said, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> what had happened was there was a big ServPro van parked out in that parking lot. On the other side of the ServPro van, was a black Ford F-150, same year, but it was 4x4, four four and it looked a lot nicer. I wanted to say, hey, I'll trade you. Denver trades cars with people. You have to ask him that story. Um, someone stole his truck and came back with it, brought it back to him. Um, but as we, as we look at this, we have the my. We understand what my is. Here's the definition of my, as the dictionary says. A form of the possessive case of I uses an attributive adjective. So here it's basically defining and shows possession. Well, in the United States, we have a lot of mys. You have my car, my house, all these different things. Sometimes we have our rules, my rules. Now, Dad's in here. We've got some young families in here having babies. And you know what's going to happen? Is you're going to turn out just like your mom and dad. How many of you, my age or more, have ever said something and said, that's exactly what my dad would have said or my mom would have said? All of us. You turn into your parents. Isn't that wonderful? You know, if I had my rules about it, and if you're visiting with us, I am colorblind. I would change a lot of stuff right off the bat. Number one, I would change the, the colors of the lights on, on the lights things because I can't see them. I, I, I see yellow, yellow, white at the bottom. I would change them to drastic colors like blue, yellow, and maybe a, a pink color or something bright that would catch your attention. Because when I'm driving, there's a lot of times I, I don't see it. You know, we all have different things that we would do if it was our rules, my, my, my. But God doesn't want us to always say my in a wrong tense. In fact, when I was looking at this, um, it's my country. It's my flag my state and my city. Now, I will say this to you. I love my flag. My dad has taught me to love my flag. Um, if you were to go down in my basement, it, I, my, my, somehow I got it. I don't know. My, my brother gave it to me, but I have the flag that was draped over my father's, my, my grandfather on my dad's side's casket. I want to get one of those things to put it in and put it up on the, on the fireplace, but it's neat to have that, to see some of the medals that he won. It's great to have a flag, and I don't know about you, but when I watch the Olympics, I love hearing the national anthem played. Have you ever heard some of the national, national anthems from other countries? Not too good. They need some new writers or something. When you hear some of them and you go, wow, I am so thankful for that. But you know, in our, in our, um, in our church right now, I want to honor I have two men, if they could stand up, they know who they are. If they could stand in the back, I want to honor those that are from the military, that would have been in the military. If you are in the army, would you please stand? All right, they've got something for you. All right, can you pass those to them? I think we've got enough. You might have to divide a couple of them up, brother. All right. St remain standing. Benjamin, I know you're... Just started, amen. By the way, Benjamin and Jeremy put all these flags up. I think Benjamin put most of them up, but the flags are up in here for that, but I appreciate them doing that. Um, so we've got these for your car to make your car smell good. Bobby, you need to come over here and help um, Randy and them. Remain standing because I want to see. How many years have you, were you in the military? How many years were you in the, mil in the Army, sir? 
All the way in the back. They can't get rid of you, amen. Amen. Yes, sir. All right, well, praise the Lord for that. How many years? 22 and a half. We have two careers, yes. Eight years. Three years. Ray? Two years, but don't underestimate his two years. He served him in where? Vietnam. Very strong. Had a lot of battles he had to, had to face. Over here? I got to hear this one. How long? So how many weeks? Two weeks, amen. All right, so you may be seated. Let's go to the Navy. We got any Navy people in here? Any Navy? Sir, how long were you in the Navy, Brother Elson? What? Six years, all right. Go ahead and give him one of those. By the way, these are air fresheners with your emblem on them. Put them in your car, make your car smell good, all right? So is that the only Navy we have? I know we have some Air Force. Air Force, please stand. Got one up here, Bobby. You can, oh, we got two over here. How long were you in it, Myron? Okay, six years reserves, eight years. We heard Russ. Who are we missing, Army? We have Marines. I know we have a Marine here, but he's not here today. Um, Brother Brown's in the Marines. Anybody else in the, in the Marines? If you're visiting with us and you, you serve, please stand up for us. Marines, all right? Now, I tried to find one of these air freshers for this one. They did not have them, but if we were on the Coast Guard, anybody in the Coast Guard? Now, if you guys, if all of you that stood, I want you to stand again. I know, I know I'm giving you a lot of work. Russ, it's okay. Your Fitbit will catch that step getting up, all right? You know what I think these people need? A big round of applause for everything they've done. Amen. Thank you for your service. Some of you are still serving. We appreciate that. You may be seated. You know, I was born in an Air Force base. My sister was born in an Air Force base. My dad was in the military for... Um, 19 and a half years. He got a um, medical discharge and he was, and they said he would never work for the government again and then he worked for the post office for over 20 years. So that didn't really work out. But he always taught me. I remember going to the Air Force Base, going to commissaries and, and going and, and buying our groceries there at Chanute Air Force Base. Anybody ever heard of Chanute? Up in Illinois, no longer exists. And I was born in Dice Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas. And so I'm thankful for that. My father-in-law is Green Beret, and once you're a Green Beret, I guess you're always a Green Beret. And then I have a, a, a stepfather-in-law that was in the Navy, is that correct? Ralph was in the Navy? Coast Guard, he was in the Coast Guard. So we're, I'm so thankful for that because God has given us a great country. And you know what? We can claim these things. We can claim my country, my flag, my state. Someone said today, I, I, I'm wearing a mask that has UT on it. I've always liked University of Tennessee. I'm colorblind. I can see orange, praise God. And so I, I, I like that. I like seeing that. But you know what? We've got to get back to understanding the my means something. Take pride in the my. We some, sometimes forget all the things that we, we have gotten, but God has given us so many wonderful things. Here's somewhat of, of our founding fathers and some former presidents have said, George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Now I want to tell you something, he's being run in the ground. And yes, he was not perfect and none of these guys were perfect. If you're perfect, you come down and you tell me. I'm telling you, we're not perfect. These were imperfect people. But when he says something like that, it sure does mean something to me. You want to study what George Washington did? I'm telling you something, that man went through a lot. 
I've studied him, know a lot about him. Did you know that the, the, the British used to make fun of him because his teeth were, were rotting? The famous picture, that picture right there, in order for, them, for him not to be made fun of by the Britons, you know what he did in that picture while he posed for this picture? He had cotton balls in his mouth to make his mouth look normal. Numerous times he'd be in battle and a tooth would fall out and he'd put it in his pocket. He did not have wooden teeth. That's something that's exaggerated and not really true. He had a lot of people working on his teeth, but he never, he always had problems with his teeth. And the Britons would go after him and after him and after him and try to make fun of him. But he went through all these things and he lost a lot of things. The next one is, is Benjamin Franklin. It says, many have quarreled against about religion that never practiced it. What a great statement. Um, this is kind of hard to read. I need to read it to you. It says, the patriot like the Christian must learn that to bear persecutions is a part of his duty. The Christians and the, and the Americans. And then I like this one. This is, um, I'm Ronald Reagan. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Wow. What's amazing about him is he was from California. And he actually was in Hollywood. These are amazing statements when you hear someone like that say that. So we've got all these things that people have said, but in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now there's some other things we can be thankful for. Here is my family. I'm thankful for my family. I got to spend time with both my girls. And the hoodlum came, praise the Lord. We had a good time with them. We have my house. I'm thankful for my house where I live. But I am really thankful for the third one, my church. I've got some people I want to honor. They have no idea I was going to do this. I need Jeremy Cowden to come up here. Come on up here, brother. And I need Aaron Larkin to come on up here. These two. And Charlie McCann graduated. We already gave him his Bible. He, he went out on us, got married, and is not living here anymore. Can you believe that? All right. For, we've already bought a, a Bible for, for Jeremy. So what we bought him is a book called Show Thyself a Man, Becoming a Man of God by Eldon Martins. I love this book. Man, if you want to read a good book, this is a great book. He has since passed away and wrote two books. He was on staff out at West Coast, and he wrote these books. I want you to make sure if you think about it to get this. And then we got something that's a life planner for you. And we were going to give this out earlier to Aaron, but they, they, they spelled her name wrong on the first Bible. So now I have her, her Bible in my office with her name spelled wrong, but we didn't, they didn't pluralize this one. And you know who dropped her, name, her book Bible off to get it printed? Her mom. I hope her mom didn't spell it wrong, but here it is, Aaron Larkin, and it's an open Bible. Let's give these guys a round of applause. All right. I love my church. I love my church family. I'm thankful for them. This week is a big week for our church. And it's not just the work day we're having, praise God. There's other things. We're having a work day. You'll hear me talk about that later. But we have kids going to camp. And, God's, and the devil's done everything he could to discourage people from going to camp. Um, with the coronavirus, the way the camp's set up, it's a totally different setting. We have six kids going to it. If they were your kids, you know what you'd want? You'd want people to pray over them. Because I'm telling you right now, camp can change their lives. And as much difficulty as they've had to get to camp and for camp to be open, I think God's got something great for them. So I'm going to have these men stand up. You guys remain seated, and we're going to pass out cards to you with all their names on them. There's six names, and they're all the first names. And each one of them has an emphasized name on it. I have Ashton on mine. 
But it says Ashton, Braden, Emily, Caden, Lacey, and Lucas. They're put in alphabetical order so no one would look at me and go, you have favorites. I do, but I'm not going to tell you who they are. Amen? But as we look at these, I even laminated them for you because I love my church. So when you go walking in the morning, you say, well, I can't take these. These get all sticky and wet. They won't. There's nowhere you can take these that they'll get ruined except a shredder. Take these with you this week. Pray specifically for the one on there and pray for the other five also this week. I think they deserve your prayers. If they were your child, would you want people to pray for them? I would. I would. So let's make sure we take these, take these home, pray for these people, pray for their parents as they, as they send them off to camp. I've got two of them right here and I think one back there and I saw one over there and then I think we're missing, I think two of them. Yes, the other two will be coming tomorrow. So you make sure you pray for them to go into the wilds and I, and I am so thankful. Are you thankful for your church? Aren't you thankful for your Bible? There's another powerful word in your, found in your Bible and it's the word if. What's the word if mean? Can someone define if? Now that's a hard one. That's a real hard one to define, if. Here's what it says. In case that, granting or supposing that, on condition that. In other words, if is a word that will happen if we do something else. We've got to do one step to get to step two, and that's what this, this verse is talking about. This, it's, it's not these words, it's when... It's not could, it's not might, it's not, it's not should. It's actually doesn't mean any of those, it's if. It's conducive to what's happening if we do something else. Remember your parents saying, you can eat your dessert if you eat your meal. You ever been there? I've been there before. And I thought, that's ridiculous. What if the Lord's come back and I've still got my dessert on the table? Helen Keller said you need to eat your dessert first. I like that quote that she gave. So when we look at the word if, what's going to happen to Tennessee? Whose fault is it? Well, let's go to the verse I want to look at. Everybody knows this verse. It was quoted in the, in the, in the video. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I want you to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It's a verse everybody knows. And it's probably a verse that's being preached all over the country right now. It says, and you know the verse, puts those two words up in front, if, conducive to something else happening, my, the possession, says this, it says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Do you not think our country needs our land healed? You know, I'm thankful that I'm from the rural area of Farmersburg, Indiana. Thankful for my heritage of growing up there. Farmersburg is a really small town. Anybody ever been to Farmersburg? You know, I grew up in something you might be familiar with. I grew up in Sullivan County. It's just Indiana instead of Tennessee. When I first came here, I told them, I grew up in Sullivan County. And, and they looked at me and I said, Sullivan County, Indiana, amen? You don't hear Sullivan very much, but as you look at this, if my people, let's look at those big words, the two biggest words in this thing, it shows possession of who owns it. Shows what we have to do. And if we don't do it, what's going to happen? Hmm. Well, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Which are called by my name. 
Who's the people called by His name? The Christians. The Christians are called by His name. You know, how do we know what family you're from? By your last name. I'll never... I, I, I couldn't get used to what was going on in North Carolina. I don't know if they do it here, but when someone gets married in North Carolina, they get rid of normally their middle name, move their last name to their middle name, and then they have their new last name. Do they do that here? You ever seen anybody do that here? But it's common in North Carolina. And I was like, well, we gave her that name for a purpose. Don't you take that name away. Those na- names mean something. It says, if my people which are called by my name. You know, if Priscilla were to come up to me and say, my daughter, Leanne, did this and, and it is a bad situation, I'd pray for her. But if my wife came up and said, your daughter, our daughter, my daughter, did the same thing, I'd probably pay, pray more earnestly. No offense to Leanne. Because it's mine. And the Bible says this, it says, if my people, which are called by my name, that's Christians. Now he's going to walk this through and he's going to show you the ifs about it. It says, shall humble themselves. We got a lot of humble, humble people in America right now, don't we? I'll never understand why these sports people are getting up and telling us what to do politically. Like they really know. Dribble a basketball and be quiet. That offends you, I'm sorry. I don't care what these guys think about when they're in sports. I didn't go there to see if they're a Democrat or Republican. I went there to see if they could dunk a basketball, amen? We get in a situation so much that everybody thinks their opinion means something. We've got to humble ourselves. If you think you're humble, you're probably not. Humbling yourself is hard to do. It is. Because you know the person you like the most is you. That's what happens. We like ourselves. You don't think that's true? Um, anybody going out to eat after, afterwards? Anybody going out? To, where are you going, Trish? Wherever Russ takes you. Okay, now. Now, Russ, I'm going to teach you something right now. A humble person will say, we'll do whatever she wants, Right? Right? That, but you're not acting like that's what you're going to do. Okay? And you need to take her out because she's pregnant. She needs to go with you. Is she going to go with you? That's good. Okay. I just, and Riley can go with you wherever he's at. He, you can go with him too because just invite the whole family. Where are you going? He's going to pay. We're all going to go with him. Amen? But you know, when you, when you look at this, he's going to make one of two choices. He's going to make the choice that he wants or he's going to make the choice that she wants. And normally they're different. When you humble yourself, you set yourself on the back burner and you say, okay, what do you want me to do? That's why a lot of people don't like God. Because God is telling them what to do in the Bible and they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. I want God to tell me what to do because you know what? God's direction is better than my direction. And so we've got to humble ourselves than this and pray. Now I'm going to ask you this later, but how many of you fervently pray for the United States every day? Other than just, wow, it looks bad. What are we going to do? Isn't that what most people do? Man, America, it's looking rough right now. I don't know how we're going to get through this. Well, he gives us, a, 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 in Chronicles, they give us, Solomon gives us what we need to do. He says, listen, we got to pray. Well, listen, will prayer make a difference? It sure does. 
if you don't believe that, you've got to understand God changes things through our fervent prayer. And the Bible says, you have not because you what? Ask not. We need to pray over things. And you know, to make it a step further in this discussion is the next four words that we somewhat overlook as preachers. We're not only supposed to pray, but we're supposed to seek my face. Seek my face. And this is talking about God saying this, and seek my face. What does that mean? Fervently pray where you think you're walking with God and, he, and you're searching after Him. There's no doubt you're talking with Him. There's no doubt He's walking with you. There's no doubt He's talking with you. And there's no doubt He's guiding you. We've got businesses telling the world what to do. We've got athletes telling us the world what to do. We've got politicians telling the world what to do. We need God to tell us what to do. And the only way we're going to do that is if we seek His face. Now, let's go back to who we're talking about. It says, if my people who are called by my name. Now, what's this talking about? This is talking about Christians. Everybody agree with that? Because there's a part of this scripture that doesn't make any sense to me. Look at the next part. Turn from their wicked ways. Wait a minute, we're talking about Christians here. <laughs> I underline that for emphasis, amen? Turn from their wicked ways. We all have wicked ways. Do you agree with me? How many of you agree that um, Christians have wicked ways? All over the auditorium. We have wicked ways. We do things wrong. I am going to let you down. You are going to let me down. We are going to say things that we might not necessarily agree with. We might do something that really offends somebody. I love, one of the reasons I love the church with the tape everywhere is people have to sit different places. It's like, oh man. No one's, uh, Sybil, no one's going to take your place, okay? All right, I'll tell you that. But it's funny to see how people move. It's like, they're sitting over here now. Where are they at? There's some that sit in the general vicinity, but you know what? We get sometimes mad at people sitting in our spots. You know, the worst thing a church can do is put plaques on the end of the pews, amen? Because then it's got your name on it. It's mine. The Bible says this. We need to turn from our wicked ways. Watch this. If you pray and you seek His face, you won't have a problem with this. You're facing the right direction. You're seeking His face. When He tells you to turn, when you're seeking His face, guess what? All the wicked ways fall off of you. Huh. Isn't it amazing what we, what we think of ourselves? The Bible says this. It says, and turn from their wicked ways. And the word if is hooked to the word then. Because watch what it says. It says, if my people, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will hear their land. There's times sometimes when I pray that I know, I don't even know if God heard it. I don't even know if God heard that. There's times when I don't feel like I'm earnestly praying for something, I'm just barely hitting the, hitting the moment. I'm doing what I have to do, and that's all I can do. But you know what we need to do? We need to have a reset. And then we'll get this, and then will I hear from heaven. How many of you want God to hear, how many of you want God from heaven to hear your prayers? He's not going to hear it from somebody that's full of pride. He's not going to hear it from somebody that just talks and never seeks his face. And he's definitely not going to hear it if we don't turn from our wicked ways. 
They were in a desolate, desolate situation. Go to this verse in your Bible. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and look at this. It says, in verse number 12, it says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called... He says, listen, if these things happen... And you do what I tell you to do. God's going to heal the land. And when you look at and you see what he says, what's going to happen, no rain. Is that going to destroy land? Absolutely, it's going to destroy land. What about the pestilence? Do some research right now and you'll be shocked at what's going on in the world right now. Have you heard what's going on in Australia? The drought in Australia? The fire starts, it destroys numerous acres. What about the locusts? There's locusts in, in the Middle East right now. You know what's interesting about all these? They're biblical times. We've got to heal our land. And America hasn't been lost yet, but we're getting pretty close to it. We need to understand that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I heal. I hear, their, hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. You know who this is on? It is on me. It is on you. This is on us. Right? This is on us. Well, you say, Pastor Ryan, I didn't come here to, to say, hey, the problem with America is us. The lost sees the world difference. It's on us. You know, if you want to know who, what the problem is, look in a mirror. How many times has God told you to witness to a person and you, we didn't do it? How many times has God told you to do this or that and we didn't do it? Happens all the time, does it not? Probably more than it does when we listen to Him. This week I found out a dear friend of mine passed away in Illinois. I think he was 65. His dad, I had the privilege of doing his dad's funeral probably about 10 years ago. His dad was my best friend and, and, and Evan was probably... When he would take me out golf, and I was in my 40s, and he was in his 70s, he'd beat me every time. You ever heard me tell the story? He would never clean his golf balls, never clean his golf clubs, never clean his golf bag. I said, Evan, your bag looks terrible. You need to clean that thing. And he said, okay. And the next day he comes out, and I said, those things on the top of your golf clubs, take those off. Those look terrible. You need to clean them. I said, okay. So he goes out. The next day he comes, and his golf bag's clean. His golf balls are clean. And he's got brand new tube socks on every, every wooden club in his bag. He had taken his golf bag off. To show you how old his golf bag was, he took everything out of his golf bag and threw it in the washing machine. Go over to his house and, and he'd have golf balls all over his living room. He was a single man. And, um, you know, I saw God move in a mighty way with him. He'd always talk to me about what God wanted what, what's, what's God want you to do in this situation, Brother Wagner? What's God, I'd, give it, I'd ask him for some advice, and he'd always come back to God. And I always liked that. You know what was amazing to me about him? He wasn't always a Christian, but when he got it, he got it. One day I was talking to him, and I didn't, I didn't know this, but I said, Hey, um, where did you work at? I've never heard where, who you retired from. And he goes, oh, I don't know, no. I said, Evan, just talk to me. It's just me and you. He said, okay, I, I, I retired from, now you show you how far he had came in, in his life. He goes, I retired from Paps Blue Ribbon. I wonder what God thought when that, that, when that tithe came in every, every month. 
It's going from a good, a bad place to a good place. Amen. But you know what? He was always talking about God. Aren't you thankful for people that always talk about God? It's not on anybody else. It's on us because we've got to look at this. The world sees different. The world sees everything different. I'm going to put something up here. Don't say anything, but I'm going to put an emblem up here and you tell me what the world sees. I can tell you this, it's not a covenant between God and man. They've jackknifed that thing, took it all, and it's theirs. It means a covenant between God and man that he won't do what he did to Noah. But they see it different. If you told them the, the rainbow meant the covenant between God and man, and God even did it through prisms and all that, it's interesting to see how a rainbow is even made. They can't make that. God can now watch this. What about this one? You know what the world sees when they see a cross? I mean, you might not have thought this, but they think of death. Why? Where do you see the cross at? Number one, you see it in the cemeteries. Right? When you go to a cemetery, you're going to see crosses everywhere. You know where else you're going to see crosses? Alongside the road. And every time you see a cross alongside the road, what does it mean? Someone died. Now, I'm not saying we should take them down, but that's not what I see when I see the cross. See, I see exactly opposite because we see things different. They see death. You know what I see? I see life. They see an end. I see a beginning. See, what I see is I see a resurrection. I see a crucifixion. I see a comforter. And I see an, a, a, a beginning of a new life. And that's what you should see. But we can't expect the world to see these two things and see God in any, any of them. The Bible says this. If my, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then it's on me, it's on you. What's going on in America? Let's fervently pray for our nation and our leaders. How many of us would say that we fervently pray for America? Don't raise your hand up. How many of you would say that? How many would say you fervently prayed for our governor, our president, our senators, our congressmen, congresswomen? How many, how many of us have done that? How many of you know who they are? I'm, I'm sad. It's sad when you look on TV and I, I watch some Fox News and, and Waters World and, and well, well, is it Waters World? And he was asking people just simple questions. Like when the country was formed. We're 244 years old right now. And in relatively young compared to a lot of nations. We sure do live in a great country. But what are we doing about it? Are we praying over it? Are we just too busy? How many of you have a busy schedule? Everybody in here has a busy schedule. How in the world am I going to get that done? It's not on the, the non-Christian people to point them to Christ. It's on us. They see who we are. They understand who we are. And we need to be different. Amen. I love that verse that we're peculiar people. <laughs> yes, we are. Second question would be this. What difference would it make if I prayed? Some of, some of us might be thinking that. Well, what would it mean if I prayed for five minutes a day? It could make a big difference. Amen. Because when you start praying over lost people, guess what's going to happen? 
God's going to send some lost people your way. Then you have to be a witness to them. Then you have to testify to them. I want you to turn, your final verse, I want you to turn to Psalm 33. And I want to ask you this simple question. When we're looking at church today, and we're looking at America today, how many of you are worried over the United States? I am. I mean, we've got a couple down here with Priscilla and Ray that moved from Illinois because they wanted to get out of the Chicago area. Would you say that's a true statement? I, mean, I just read this morning that there were more shootings in Chicago again this week. Kids are getting killed in, in, in Chicago. I am worried about this country. And so should you be. So when you worry, what do you need to do? To get the worrying out, what do you do? What's the little statement? You need to pray. Seek His face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then will I heal their, their land. Let's end it with one verse. If you want to underline any verse in your Bible about our nation, go to Psalm 33 and read verse number 12. Psalm 33 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. These people that say they don't like the United States, I wish we could buy them a ticket and send them someplace and then they'd realize what, what they've got. Tearing down statues. We've got, we've got one guy that wants to tear down all the pictures of Jesus because he was a white supremacist. And apparently he doesn't know his Bible because Jesus was probably darker than he was white. He gets this little picture of Jesus. And if you have one in your house, I'm sorry, that's not what Jesus looked like. He didn't have long hair and he was dark. They want to tear down all the emblems, the murals, and even the stained glass windows that were made. Where have we come to? And I'm trying to end this on a good note. We've got to get back to understanding who God is. We've got to get back to being a nation after God. Because if we don't, our kids and our grandkids, that's what worries me. Little five-year-old hoodlum that I call Elena, I can't imagine what she's going to face. Can't imagine what's going to happen when she gets older. I look at these two young ladies up here. I want them to live in a country that they love. And I could sit there and go, oh, I wish I would have prayed. I don't want to wish I would have prayed. I want to pray. And I want to see God do something great in this country, and He still can. If you don't think that's true, look at any other country and find out who has the most people wanting to get into it. And the, the countries that have the most people trying to get out of it. I went to Mexico, and I'll end it with this story. When I went to Mexico, I took, I don't want to say 20 teenagers with me. And we went to Mexico, and I was shocked at what I saw. I took, a, I took balloons, and we got where I could teach the kids how to make balloon animals. Now, if you did that in the United States, they'd be looking at me like, come on, what's going on? But I started making balloon animals, and I was handing them out. Before, before not too long, I looked behind me. I had about 25 to 30 Little Mexican kids following me to church that night. We did a puppet display, and 
And we did, we had bilingual puppets, amen? I taught my puppet team how to do it. We did a Spanish thing, and they didn't know what they were doing, but they could get the mouth down with it. And so they, we did a puppet thing. We had, we had um, uh, invitation. We had, I think, five to ten kids come forward and get saved. And they, 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 after, they, after we left, we found out they were still coming. But I remember walking them back home. They lived in a place that was on top of a, really an old dump. And you'd see one pole go up and you'd see um, extension cords that we would never use. And they were exposed to the elements and they were household inside um, cords. And you go, I would be scared to death to touch that thing. And there would be one cord running off, another cord running off, another cord running off, another cord. And they were going into these shacks that were made by whatever they could get. And I remember in the, in the um, middle they had boards where you could walk across. And I'll never forget what Ruben Marillo said. He said, preacher, don't walk there. And I was like, why? He said, what you're about to walk in is raw sewage running down the, down the middle of the street. I didn't know it. This looked like water coming down. And you think those kids all went back and that's what they had. The thing that changed my, my, my daughter's lives was a mission trip. The mission trip was to China. I'll never forget after they came home from China when they saw that people were traveling many miles to come see the white people from America with blonde hair, which they'd never, you know, they didn't see in that aspect. Took them out to go shopping for school. And I'll never forget what they said to me. I said, well, let's go get a duffel bag, for a backpack for your school. Megan, my oldest daughter, looked at me and says, Daddy, I don't need one. I'll use mine from last year. And I was like, who are you and what have you done to my child? And then I said, well, let's get all these. And, and Meredith said, well, we don't need these. We've got all these already. Remember when we went out shopping with them? I'll never forget Wayne. I finally looked at him and said, why are you acting like this? She said, and they both looked at us and said, because we saw what the other kids had in the other country and we don't need this. Amen. We live in a great country. Amen. God sure does love us. But we need to pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I don't know if I've said everything you wanted me to say, but I love this country. I know our president is not 100% accurate and some of the things he does frustrates me. But I also know that he's trying to do his best and there's other people trying to do their best. And Lord, we need to pray for them. We need to humbly seek your face. Lord, may we be a church that loves our country and loves our church. Thank you for the red, white, and blue. Thank you for the Star-Spangled Banner. Thank you for the people that fought in all these wars that were in front of us. I think of, of Ray, of some of the stories that he could tell you. Stories probably permeate his mind all the time. Then we have people complaining about not having this or not having that. Lord, may we get back to being thankful for what we have and humbling ourselves. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring us. And thank you for putting us in this country. And thank you for patriotic people. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed. It's going to be a different invitation today. If you don't know Christ is your personal Savior, you need to get that settled today. That's the most important question anybody ever ask you. 
Because that, that cross I, I talked to you about, it's not about death, it's about life. And if you're in here, maybe you're visiting with us or, or you're just someone that comes every week, you need to get that settled. There's no reason for you to walk out this door. I walked out, that, walked out doors, door and door and door. I was in Bible college when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I knew all the verses, knew everything about it, but I didn't know him personally. Get it settled. There's no reason for you not to get it settled. Secondly, in here, this is what our prayer request main thing is in here in our invitation. I ask you if you are worried or not. If you're worried, then what are you going to do about it? In just a second, we're going to open up um, an invitation. And I want you to remain seated, but if you can come down this old-fashioned altar and pray for this country, we need to pray and we need to pray now. It's too, we've waited too long and we've went too far to not bring God back into this situation. Blessed is the nation whose, whose God is the Lord. We need to understand that God needs to be a part of our life. God needs to be a part of this country. If you don't believe that's true, go to Washington, D.C. and some of, the, some of the things that are etched in stone are about God and what He's done. May we be what we need to be. So if God has spoken to you and you say, Pastor Wagner, I don't fervently pray. I need to pray. Let's nail it at the altar. And we can say, hey, everything's changed in Kingsport because we've prayed for this. We've prayed for God. We've asked God to help us. We can't do this. We've got to humble ourselves and ask God to do it. Well, I just don't know if it's going to work. It's called faith. I'd much rather be Peter walking on the water than the other ones that just got to see Peter walk on the water. Let's pray over this. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for the time we've had in your house this morning. May we understand that you have something for us. May we pray over this nation. May we pray over our church. May we pray over these campers that are gone, that God will change their lives. The graduates, the military people, the first responders. Lord, you've given us so many things. May we be thankful for it. May we pray over these and put a hedge of protection around this. May this invitation be filled with just people praying over what we need to do for our nation. Lord, if there's someone in here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, let them get that settled today. Don't walk out and not know. The Bible says that I can know that I have eternal life. Thank you for what the cross means. Thank you for what the rainbow means to Christians. Thank you for your covenant and the life you give. Be with this invitation in Jesus' name.